A cuddly cryptid, a woman washed away returns to the same place she was swept from a year and a half later. And then we take a look at the terrifying story of Texas's own candy lady. Was there a woman leaving candy on children's windowsills? And did her trap work? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. You are listening to the only podcast that will not discuss the Mueller report this week. I repeat, the only podcast. The only podcast. They are. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that at all. This is your refuge from politics, Dead Rabbit Radio. We're going to go ahead and get started here now. I kind of cheated in the beginning when I said it was a cuddly cryptid. Let me go ahead and get started here. So I was sent this link the other day. I'm going to read this to you and I want you to see if you, this is such a bizarre description. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to see if you can guess the creature we're talking about. Its appearance is character, and I'm leaving out a few key details. Okay, because otherwise it gives it away. Its appearance is characterized by dark blue hair, a huge mouth, devoid of teeth, large, bulging eyes. His voice is serious and abrupt, and his speech is simplified, using an abundance of infinitives and omitting other linguistic compliments. His diet includes muffins, donuts, apples, bananas, lettuce, as well as other inedible items such as salt and pepper dispensers, traffic signs, towels, pins, typewriters, telephones, motorcycles, Peabody Awards, a truck, a safe, a Volkswagen Beetle, and the letter of the day. So that's the description of Cookie Monster. That's the Spanish Wikipedia description of the Cookie Monster. Now, the English version of Cookie Monster does not have any of this, which I think is absolutely hilarious. The English version of Wikipedia is just like, you know who we're talking about. It's Cookie Monster. But... The Spanish version decides to create this horrifying image of this creature with no missing all of his teeth and a huge mouth, bulging eyeballs, and I guess those are accurate descriptions of Cookie Monster, but they're terrifying nonetheless. The reason why I came across this was because in the previous uh, the episode I did about um, shape-shifting women who eat men, I think it was the title something like that. It was maybe four or five episodes ago. I forget very quickly. I described there was one of the cryptid women, one of the shapeshifters, who was described as having cookie-like hair. And I actually had two listeners chime in on that. They Both of them kind of said it's probably a translation error. On YouTube, Edward... Edward... Bayes? Bayes? Anyways, Edward said maybe they meant like empanadas. Like it's the hair was flaky. And then Jimmy emailed me and he said maybe it's like churros. Like dreadlocks. I think it is a translation error. According also to this Spanish Wikipedia page, Cookie Monster, his best friend is Gustavo Frog. That's so, that's just weird to me. Like, I always thought Kermit the Frog was fairly, I know more about the history of Cookie Monster now than I ever thought I would know. Definitely more than I ever learned on Sesame Street. He started off stealing cereal. His original name was the Wheel, his original name was the Wheeljacker because he stole the wheel-shaped cereal. 
And then there he his best buddy was a guy named Flute Snatcher. Now I don't because he ate fruit he he because he stole flute shaped cereal. Now again, those might be translation errors as well. But that's that's a little bit about uh what who are we talking about again? Oh yeah, yeah, Cookie Monster, Cookie Monster. He's also known as Mostro de la Galetis. So I think that's like Monster of the Cookies or something. And in Latin America, he simply goes by the name Lucas. And I guess when Disney bought, they used to have different names everywhere. When Disney bought the Muppets, they said, nope, it's Kermit the Frog, it's Cookie Monster. They didn't change, they used to localize everything. So now if you grew up with Gustavo Frog and Lucas running around, you're like, who's that guy? Who's the Cookie Monster? Um, nom 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 nom. That might have gone on a little longer than I originally planned. I don't know. I found that fascinating. And thanks, guys, for your explanations of cookie-like hair. They're probably pretty likely. Now, we're going to go on. You know, it's actually been a really interesting week, conspiracy and weirdness-wise. I got a lot of stories that are fairly recent coming out. But one of the ones that popped up, like, maybe in the past few days, was really bizarre. And And from the first thing you hear, you're like, that's absolutely impossible. And then you go... But weirder things have happened, and then you keep reading into it, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. So we are going back a year. We're going back to January 2017, and we're traveling to the island of Java, the tastiest-sounding island other than Cupcake Island. We go to Java Island, and we're sitting on the beach. We're enjoying the nice weather. It's beautiful out. There's sun. There's hot chicks walking around in bikinis. And we're just drinking a Mai Tai. I don't know what they drink there. We're drinking an alcoholic drink. We're drinking iced Java with some liquor in it. We're just hanging out. And we see this woman with her sister and I think one of their sons. She was with two other people. (laughs) I'm just making up family members. Oh, it was like her eighth cousin. No, she was out there with at least her sister. I know that for sure. The woman's name is Nining Sunarse. Nining Sunarse. We'll just call her Nai, we'll just call her Nining, and I'm, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong as well. But anyways, Nining, she was a 52-year-old woman. She's out on a beach vacation with her sister and an other family member. Could, could be anyone in her genealogical tree. It's her great ancestor. They're out at the beach. They're enjoying the fun. They're enjoying the sun. We're sitting there, me and you, drinking our Java-infused um, drinks. Well, alcohol in the job. But anyways, the point is the mood is set. I've set the mood. We're sitting there, seagulls, ah, 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 flying by. And a freak wave shows up. Now, luckily, we're sitting a little bit farther up the shore. Well, I am. I don't know about you, but a freak wave shows up. And we look, and Nining is gone. And her sister's like, no! And her unidentified family member was like, no! And they start to try to find her, but she's swept out to sea. And they call the authorities. The authorities come out, and they're like, well, we'll have like Coast Guard people show up looking for her, but it's, it's a big ocean, guys. It's a big ocean. And they don't find her. They don't find her. Fast forward to a couple months ago, like a month or two ago, actually. Her father, who was not at the beach, you can eliminate him from who was guy at the beach. Her father started having these dreams of Nining on the beach saying, look for me, father. Look for me, father. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And the father at first just dismisses the dreams. 
But the dreams keep coming, and he's having these dreams of his daughter standing on this beach, beckoning him to come and find her. So he does, and the other family members go to the beach to try to find her. And for several weeks, they're looking for her. And then one day, they go out to the beach, and they see Nining laying there in the sand, waves crashing over her. They're like, oh my god, they call rescue people. Medics, I can think they're commonly called. They call the uh, Paw Patrol. They get these uh, medics out there, and they take her home, and there's all this video footage of this woman being, like, rescued, but it's in this language, wherever she's from. Um, it's like Thai, Thailand, or Indonesia, or somewhere around there. It's a, it's a language that... Ba- let, let me get to the point. It's a language I don't understand. And I would... Now, see, this is where this... Now I think you see where I'm going with this. It's a language I don't understand. It's a language I think most people don't understand unless you're in that region. It's not a common second language in the Western world. There's video footage of a woman of Nining being taken home, and she's, like, laying there and stuff like that, and all these medics are around here, and they're speaking in her native language. And this is the, this is where it gets weird. Well, that was already weird, because that gap between the time she got washed away in January 2017, she washed up recently, so she'd been washed away for a year and a half, and a kicker to that, she was found wearing the same clothes. Now, on the beach, she was wearing a yellow dress, and when she washed up, she was wearing the same yellow dress. Now, she is still completely, like, out of it right now. She has not been able to say where she was during that time or how she survived. She is incommunicado. She's a little loopy, and the family is saying, please just give us some time to take care of her. That, That really came to being publicized. That really broke the news earlier in the week. And the narrative I just told you is that there's a ton of articles on this. I'm linking maybe three or four in the show notes, but there's a ton of articles about this. And it's being, it was like in the Daily Mail, so it's like semi-reputable. Daily Mail's, yeah, I would say semi-reputable news. It's mostly a tabloid. But if you want to know that, Scary Spice and who's the other one? Who is uh, British Spice? I guess they're all British Spice, but um, Scary Spice and the Spice Girl, who's Jerry Hallwell, they were banged during the Spice Girls, like the original run, not the reunion. Those two were banging each other. That's the level of news in the Daily Mail. And I did read that article, by the way. Was it Sexy Spice? But anyway, it doesn't matter. They banged. That's the point of that. So the Daily Mail is a tabloid, but it wasn't just in the Daily Mail. It's in a lot of paranormal websites. It's in a lot of like regular news websites because it's such a bizarre story. Here's the kicker. So I started looking into this because I was like, that's absolutely fascinating, if true. And it's kind of fascinating if it's not, because it just shows how quickly rumors spread. So I watched the video. I didn't understand a word of it, but I watched the video. And they the video is purported to be her being taken off the beach and taken home. She's not wearing a yellow dress. She's wearing a blue top. So it, immediately I said, either she was taken somewhere else and they changed her clothes... Or that video's fake, and it's being attached to this story. And sure enough, I found I found in it when I was continuing to research this, one of the articles said, "Here's some photos that are being purported to be Nining, but these are actually photos of someone being let out of a mental hospital and taken home." 
And what's weird is that this footage and these photos are being used in almost every article, but only one pointed out people on WhatsApp have identified that those photos are from a totally different news story in the same area. So that's not Nining, has nothing to do with this story. So right off the bat, the video evidence is not true at all. And then I go, okay, well, that's a big spoiler. And now I'm thinking the story's false. And here's the thing. This is the, I, to me, this is the detail that's stuck out. Other, I will accept that someone can get swept out to sea and washed away and go into some sort of magical portal land or something like that and come back. I, I, I don't believe it offhand. Well, I kind of did this one, but I, I guess not really. I didn't believe it, but I thought I'm open to the idea of like dimensional portals and stuff like that. What I thought was weird, so let's say that the story is true, and she begins giving her dad instructions to come and to the beach and find her. Cause she, and I guess I should have said this earlier, she was found at the same location that she had gotten washed away. That actually was the original story. and But then the story evolved that it was on the same spot, it's 500 meters away, whatever. So if, you, if I'm trying to get someone to come to my location, I'm not going to start asking them to come out two months before I I show back magically up in reality. Because it's very, very likely. Because she had been coming to her dad in the dreams for a long time. And then he still had to go out there every day for a couple weeks to find... Every day for a couple weeks. At any point, he could have just been like, ah, it's just, I'm having these nightmares. Here's a pro tip. If you're ever a ghost or trapped in a magical realm and you need to send a message, don't send the message too early. Because then they're going to go out, get discouraged, and go back. Or people are going to start thinking they're crazy. Send them the night before you leave Oz or whatever. So I thought that was a weird detail, too. The dad going out there every single day looking for her. They could have said he had the dream, and then it was so vivid that he went out the next morning and she was there. That would be a little more believable. But really, I think at this point, none of it's believable. I would be surprised if Nining actually exists at all. Oh, and here's another thing. This was something weird. She's 52 years old. How old's her dad? In his 70s? He would be in his, really, he would be in his late 60s minimum if she's 52. And he, she had a sister, so yeah, he was probably like, if she's 52 or 53, whatever, he would have had to, I look back over my notes, if he would have to be, let's say he had the kids when he was like 20. So he's like, and you have this old, you're harassing this old man. You're you're trapped in another dimension, and your ghost keeps waking up a 70-year-old man saying, go to the beach today, go to the beach today. And he's like, oh, my arthritis. And she's like, I don't care. So that detail was kind of weird, too, that she was so old. But I'm thinking that they may have made her that old to match the photos in the video that was going to be attached to the story. Weird, weird uh, story. Don't think it's true, but there's definitely either someone concocted it on purpose to play some sort of prank, or it was just a... Er- I wouldn't be surprised to find out if this is legends have been going around for a long time in that area. This story, and it's constantly being updated every 10, 15 years, and this time it actually just went viral, which is a possibility as well. But that is actually a good segue to our last segment, because we're going to talk about, again, another urban legend that it kind of it, it stands in the same categories as this one where we don't know whether or not it's real but far far more sinister far more sinister the year well <laughs> the decade the early 1900s 
the place, Texas, <laughs> somewhere in Texas, the year in the 1900s, the location, someplace in Texas, the biggest state, well, it's the second biggest state, but a giant state somewhere in there. There's a little kid sitting in his room. It's nighttime. He doesn't have comic books or video games or anything. He's probably just looking at wood carvings of Spider-Man. Has a little candle under his bed sheet to read. House goes up in flames. But then they move to another house. And this little kid sitting in bed. No candles this time. And he hears a noise at his windowsill. And he sees a shape kind of move away in the darkness. The little boy opens the window and out on the sill are little pieces of old-timey candy. To him, new candy. He's like, mmm, sarsaparilla. Mmm, molasses-flavored Jolly Ranchers. And he begins to eat the candy. And he notices in one of the wrappers... And it's so funny, I'm talking like he's delicate. He's probably like... Cookie monstering that. He was lucasing it. The next day after his sugar coma wears off, he notices one of the wrappers has a message on the inside of it, and it says, Come play with me. And it's signed, The Candy Lady. So, the candy, the, the candy Lady story. What we know about the Candy Lady is this. There was a woman named Clara Crane, and she was born in 1853. She was born in 1853. She was married to a drunk man. He was a farmer, and one day he was out drinking and running the farm stuff, and their daughter was out there as well. And due to his alcohol-induced negligence, the daughter is killed in an unspecified way. The mom is just completely just toast over this. Her mom can't believe, Clara Crane can't believe that her husband killed the daughter, even if it was an accident. She then poisons some candy and gives it to him, and he's like, Mmm, sarsaparilla, my favorite. And dies. She is arrested, but she's found insane. So she is put into the North Texas Insane Asylum. And it is there where her madness truly shows. I mean, not just killing her husband. She makes a new daughter. She makes a new daughter out of a bedsheet. So she takes a bedsheet and she rips it up and binds it together. And now she has like a Blair Witch like effigy style daughter. That she carries around the hospital with her. And she talks to it like it's her daughter. And I, I I, don't understand the, like, did she feed it? Was it all, like, completely, was it all, like, covered in gross pea soup as she's trying to feed her daughter? Like, but I guess insanity is insanity. And she probably imagines it's eating the pea soup. But in reality, everyone else is like, can you wash your daughter? She's like, I bathe her every day. They're like, no, a washer machine, please. But anyways... Due to overcrowding, there's talk about letting Clara Crane go because she's such a nice woman. The doctors are like, yeah, she's pretty cool. I mean, other than that disgusting creature, that disgusting golem she's created that she carries around and tells everyone it's her daughter. Other than that, she's trying to get it to date other bedsheets in the hospital. She's like introducing it, takes it down to the laundromat. And she's like, you are the queen of the ball, my daughter. She ends up writing a, a letter to her sister, Aggie. Which is a great name. This is the letter that was written. Dearest Aggie. I am elated. I have been informed by Dr. Matthews. I almost read that as Dr. Mattress. I've been informed by Dr. Matthews. That Marcy and I. Marcy's the the bedsheet baby. That Marcy and I will be returning home in less than three weeks. As you can imagine. 
Marcy can barely contain her excitement. Every night she asks, Is tomorrow the day we go home, Mother? Very soon I will be able to tell her, Yes. The idea of the talking bedsheet is bizarre. Like, if someone was actually carrying around a bedsheet baby, that's weird enough. But then to imagine it's having conversations with her, because in conversations with the kid, I mean, does the mattress go, why is the sun in the sky? Well, because it is. Why? Well, that's where God put it. Why? Well, I, I, why? I mean, kids can be quite annoying. So I guess if he had a mattress baby, it would actually be a little better than a real kid, because then it wouldn't keep annoying you. But anyways, Marcy, the bedsheet, and Clara Crane do get let out of the North Texas Insane Asylum. And then about five years after that, kids go missing. So let's go back to the urban legend part of this. And this has an interesting wrap-up, but... So in this town, apparently in her hometown, her unnamed hometown in Texas, children started getting candy put up on their windowsills. And a kid goes missing. And the cops are baffled. Again, we're back in the 1900s here. The cops are baffled as to what happened to this kid. Snuck out in the middle of the night. A couple weeks later, another kid goes missing. And now the cops are really, really concerned about what's going on. And it is then that the parents learn about candy being left on windowsills. Kids had been eating it and not telling their parents because they're not supposed to eat candy. They're not supposed to eat candies from strangers. And more importantly, they're not supposed to eat in bed. But they did all three of those things. So parents started to warn their kids, do not eat candy on your windowsills. Don't do it. You're going to get snatched by the candy lady. This all came to a head when a boy who was previously found missing, there was a farmer or a rancher or somebody was walking along a gully They found the body of a 10-year-old boy with his eyeballs gouged out and his pockets full of candy. Now, the interesting thing about this story, every piece of evidence that makes you think it has proof seems to be fake. But you don't know. And there's basically two separate stories here. So let's look at the story of Clara Crane first, because that's the one that has the the most specific stuff. Clara Crane in Texas, as far as I could find on Ancestry.com, there was a Clara Crane in Texas, but she was born five years before her mother. So the story of her being born in like 1853 or however, I might have misstated it earlier in 1953, but she was supposedly born in like 1853 or in that time period, the only person listed being uh, having a daughter named Clara Crane was born after that. There used to be a place called North Texas Insane Asylum. So that place did exist. And there was a short news article about Clara Crane being sentenced to prison for the murder of her husband. But the article is not sourced. It doesn't say what newspaper it comes from. It's like a blurry scan of a presumable newspaper article. So it could be fake. We don't have a way to track that back. In the story of Clara Crane... It does not list where she's from. It's just a small town in Texas. This takes place in Texas. We have a newspaper article that specifies she was 28 years old. This happened in Ellis County, and she was tried at the Haddock Street Courthouse. So we get more details from the article. So that makes me think that the story of Clara Crane 
existed bef- the story that people tell their kids about ooh watch out she could get you but you end up being on the far far north of Texas it's left vague for a purpose the article that's being purported to be true specifies this was in Ellis County so the fact there's a discrepancy between the two makes me think that either this the Clara Crane actually did exist and the details have kind of been wiped clean to make the story more universal, or someone came up with the legend of Clara Crane, and then someone faked the evidence, and when they were faking it, they're like, they just can't put in the news article somewhere in Texas that this court happened. Whoever created this article had to give more detail. Chicken or egg, chicken or egg, we don't know. But, like I said, the person who's supposedly Clara Crane, I could only find one on Ancestry.com, but that doesn't really mean anything, because not everyone's listed in Ancestry.com. So I'm back to square one. Is it square one? Or is it square? Yeah, I'm back to square one. I'm back to the beginning of the board game. That's where that saying comes from, Jason. Don't be an idiot. So, I think that's where that saying comes from. But anyways, did Clara Crane exist? We don't know. It's super bizarre. It's it's such an unknown urban legend conspiracy theory, I think, outside of Texas, that not a lot of people have delved into it. A lot. I found a lot of resources on it, and a few of them were very, like, tried to dig into it, but since there's not a lot of information to go on, it's rough. So then let's jump. So did Clara Crane exist? Who knows? This woman may have actually existed at some point, but did she make a bedsheet baby? Did she write letters to her sister? We don't know. We don't have any of that information. And then let's go to the crimes. Missing children in Texas, possibly Ellis County, Texas. Kids going missing. Candy being left on windowsills, a young boy found with his eyes gouged out and his pockets full of candy. Did those incidents happen? Again. As of now, we don't have any proof of any of this stuff. The crimes are, at this point, over 100 years old. It is quite possible that this urban legend came out of something. Either Clara Crane is true. And they created the story of the candy lady as a warning towards kids. You know, don't take candy from strangers is really the point of this story. Or the candy lady crimes are true. That th- three kids went missing one was found dead with candy in its pockets. And the Clara Crane story was a retcon to kind of give this madness some sort of face to it. Or most chilling that both parts are true. Both parts are true. There was a Clara Crane that was sent to North Texas. It was actually North Texas Lunatic Asylum. But that part of the story is true. And then later, back in Ellis County, kids went missing with candy on their windowsills. There's been a lot of stories we've covered on this show that are only like four or five years old that are completely horrific. Like the the guy who held up, who did the school shooting and the sexual assault at the same time. That's been pretty much erased from the social consciousness. We have the spear gun murder story that's been erased from the social conscious. So there are stories even recently that you think, man, how can people forget about this? And we're when we're going back 100 years, it's very likely, or I should say it's possible, that these series of incidents played out. The idea of not taking candy from strangers is something that I think most parents, if not all parents, really worldwide instill in their kids. What's interesting is that if this case is real, this may have been the origin of that saying, don't take candy from strangers. 
it's weird to think that the phrase don't take candy from strangers is used so commonly. It's like a trope. You can have a television show called Strangers with Candy. Like it's, you get it. You get that saying. Basically, it's ingrained in our consciousness. And the crazy thing is, is that saying may be based on a real set of disappearance and murders. That saying we all use could have started in a little county in Texas. When a boy unwrapped a piece of candy, it said, come play with me. He crawled out the window to the dark shape standing in the field. And that was the last thing he saw before his eyes were cut out. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>